All right, Moro. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Michael McDonnell. I am the cybersecurity librarian. And welcome to our third live stream. Um, continuing with the last two live streams, tonight we'll be talking about job hunting. And uh, this is probably the most exciting one we've had yet because we have a panel. And it's a panel of people that Morrow and I don't know. The last few of them, we've been talking to colleagues that we've worked with extensively. Um, and tonight, these are people that we've reached out to because we think um, our circle of friends needs to hear these things. So we've got two segments. Um, we've got the first one, we'll be talking to someone who's an external recruiter who recruits people for contract work in um, infrastructure and cybersecurity. It's someone that I recently worked with um, that I thought very highly of, who knows his customers and knows his people. And I know that many of our friends haven't worked as a consultant or don't, done contract work. And so this is a great introduction. And our second segment is a panel discussion that will be about the use of social media, in particular LinkedIn, with uh, for the purpose of job hunting and professional development. And our panel will include uh, the initial recruiter, but also two people that I found have an extremely authentic way of using LinkedIn. One for their own professional development and the other, um, well, we'll talk about it later, but for helping other people get showcased and also for recruiting and their general job. Um, so we'll just say hi to them briefly. So we've got uh, John, say hi, John. How's everyone doing? And we've got Jessica, say hi, Jessica. Hi. And we've got TJ. Hi, hey, everyone. TJ. All right, uh, I'm just gonna take TJ and uh, uh, Jessica out of here. Uh, Moro, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Sure, so uh, before we begin, obviously, I'd like to tell everyone, you know, if you haven't subscribed to the channel and you love this uh, series, please subscribe. It will help Michael uh, try and get a, a formal name for his YouTube channel. And if you like this video, smash that like button because, you know, that's how uh, it, get, it gets in the search results. So hopefully you'll be helping someone else uh, if you like this video. So, John, uh, first off, just wanted to say thank you for uh, agreeing to join us on, on our show today. Uh, I know you've got uh, quite the extensive background in terms of recruiting. So, uh, you know, it's it's just amazing that we can pick your brain on, uh, I guess, just trying to understand what a recruiter looks for in a candidate when they are uh, searching for, for someone to, to fill a role at a, at a company. So I guess uh, maybe to just start that off, um, if you'd like, you, you can give a little bit of a background on what you do. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of move on from there. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, so yeah, my name is John. I'm a technical recruiter with uh, Tech Systems in Calgary. Uh, essentially, I specialize in the infrastructure and the security space, um, and kind of just do my best to match what our customers' needs are with the uh, talent in the IT market. Okay, so um, John, uh, I guess uh, the most important question is. From a recruiter standpoint, uh, you know, when we take into consideration, uh, I guess, the traditional tools we use, uh, resumes, cover letters, I guess, uh, and maybe I'm going to throw that out there from our last segment, is, is the cover letter, resume, like, is that critically important for you 
when you're looking for a candidate, like which 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 I guess items in in the cover letter are more important and stand out, or maybe a cover letter is completely useless, in which case you know we shouldn't even be bothering with it. I guess some advice in that area would be extremely helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say a resume definitely trumps all. The resume is what we're looking for and what we're asking for. Um, we're not necessarily asking for any cover letters because we do our due diligence in being able to get a good understanding on, you know, what your current skills are, what your background is, what you're currently doing, what you're looking for in the future. Um, and we make sure we make note of all that and and, and upload that into our, our database. So, so whenever we do talk to, let's say, our account managers who do end up talking to the hiring managers that we're working with, we're able to cover everything in uh, in what a cover letter already would be doing. It's more like our job is to is to make sure that we highlight all the all the critical information that makes the consultant good. Okay, so then in respect to the resume now, uh, and again, you know, this is kind of bleeding in from last week's uh, conversation. But uh, from a standpoint of uh, like how big the cover letter should be, or you know maybe there are things in the cover letter we need to, or not cover letter, sorry, in the resume, uh, how how big should the resume be, or how short should it be, and inside the resume, are there things that we should really be focusing on that you know would help you, I guess, uh, qualify a candidate easier? Yeah. So again, I would say. It, it all depends when it comes to that IT professional. We've got some guys um, and girls that I've worked with in the past where they've got years and years of experience and it's hard to highlight 15 years of IT experience in a page on a resume, right? Um, so I think it all differs. I would just say that depending on what the resume looks like, um, highlight the important stuff, right? Like if you've been in doing nothing but operations and you're not so much a project, uh, or been exposed to any projects, then list that, right? If you're if you've got extensive project experience where you've done, um, you know, a big scale project at one employer, you've moved on, you've done it at another one. Make sure that's all highlighted in the body of the of the resume. But I mean, two to three pages, sometimes three full pages, is as much as you want to have. You don't want to uh, have too much in there. Oh, okay. Okay. Perfect. That's that's some great advice. I know uh, Michael and I, we've, uh, we've traded barbs on on w the relevance of a cover letter in uh, certain elements. So it's it's really nice to know that, you know, a recruiter is kind of looking at it from a, a different standpoint and they are doing a lot of the, uh, I guess, the due diligence that hopefully a cover letter, that would replace the cover letter. So, so John, um, I want to back up for a second. Can you explain um, to the people that are watching what it's like to work with a recruiter, so many of them have never done contract work. Um, how do they engage? Um, how does the process work? Because uh, you know, myself having done that throughout my career, there is a different process for working with a recruiter like yourself than there is to applying for a company through internal um, hiring processes. Absolutely. So. Um with the company that I work for and very similar to other uh, IT staffing and services company, we work off of all of our clients' needs, right? So um, it's very different where most IT professionals, they'll see a job posting online and they'll apply directly, fill out an application and then submit their cover letter and resume and then basically wait to get um, heard back from through HR, et cetera. That process can take a long time and there's probably you know over 200 applicants for one position whereas for us um 
we go out and look for these IT professionals. So on average, we're talking to close to 10 people a day, um, 50 a week. And basically, whenever we have a, a client need, um, whether it's for a big project, a backfill, um, an operations role, we're reaching out to IT professionals constantly. And the majority of that is either through LinkedIn or our internal database that has um, names, phone numbers, emails, uh, job titles, uh, and their resume already uploaded in the system if they've been reached out to in the past. So depending on what the skill set is, the technologies that we're looking for, um, that's kind of our main bread and butter on how we reach out to reach out to consultants every day. So um, one of the things that I think is um, worth pulling out of there is that, you know, if you're on a job hunt, you can go and you can look at job boards, you can look at LinkedIn, you can look at corporate websites, and you're going to see uh, all the jobs that are publicly posted. But working with a recruiter like yourself, you've got access to a market for jobs that is almost hidden between behind the surface, right? There, there are jobs that you have access to that somebody isn't going to see when they're hunting on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not going to name them, obviously, but there's a couple of clients that we work with where we're completely exclusive on all of the opportunities that they give out. So you won't see it on a job board on Indeed or whatever the case may be. You won't even see it on their internal website. They'll just reach out directly to us and say, hey, we have a need for this position. This is the duration. This is the project. Um, I'm looking for two positions to be filled, et cetera. And then us recruiters, we go out and, and, and reach out to as many consultants as we can and see if they fit the mold on what that client's looking for. So we take the time to understand, you know, what are your skills? What are your goals? What are your interests? And it gives us an idea of, oh yeah, someone would, this person would be great for the role or you might not be good for this role, but I feel like you may be good for something else that comes down the line, right? Um, and not only that, but it's our job to make sure that we give good market analytics. So we're letting them know what companies are hiring in your skill set, what companies are doing similar projects that you're currently doing at your current engagement, um, et cetera. So yeah, you're definitely right about that, Michael. Um, recruiters are able to give some insight to IT professionals that they're not normally used to because again, their day-to-day -day is working their job, right? They're not online every day looking at roles or what's necessarily going on at the company next door. Um, so yeah, it's our job to kind of keep them up to date on what the market's looking like. Morrow. Yeah, I was going to say that's uh, that's very good insight. So uh, certainly appreciate uh, appreciate you giving us uh, those uh, hidden uh, pearls of wisdom uh, that you know not not the uh, average IT guy is going to really know. So uh, it's uh, no, thank you very much. <laughs> is, is what yeah, say. absolutely, and, uh, and, and it's all kind of dependent on what um consultants are looking for right some people are really happy and content with being um, a permanent full-time employee working in their it environment and then there's other it professionals that love the contracting world they love um being able to bounce from different company to company work on different projects kind of maybe they're working on the most recent technologies they get to network which is a big um a big deal and then um it just allows them to kind of be in different environments. Yeah, I, I have to say that um, having done both throughout my career, um, 
some of the um, most interesting opportunities for innovation came through uh, contract work where the company was doing something they don't want to hire someone permanently into the role because it is a new build, maybe getting a project off the ground or dealing with a backlog. And then all of a sudden you find yourself doing some work that wouldn't come up as an opportunity elsewhere. And it's really a, a way to build up your skills or to get a major accomplishment through this, you know, through um, a, a, sh a short-term piece of work. Some of them have been some of the most rewarding jobs I've done. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of just to get, just so I'm kind of backtracking what I just said earlier, um, getting to the network piece, like we have market research that we know for a fact that consultants, 74% um, find jobs through networking in comparison to 13% of actually finding jobs from job boards. So um, having a strong network of, you know, maybe you worked together in the past, three years down the road, you're looking for a role and you connect with someone that you used to work with and say, hey, what, what are you up to these days or what are you doing? Um, and they can kind of give you some insight. Uh, networking is huge, um, especially within the IT world, because a lot of the a lot of people, a lot of good people know good people. And um, within a certain market, it's sometimes hard to find the right uh, the right skill set. Oh yeah, no, uh, I certainly agree. So uh, that that really does play well. That comment plays well into our next segment here. So uh, you know, obviously the use of social media, and I mean, really the underlying topic behind that is networking. So uh, no, th thank you, thank you for that comment. It certainly helps uh, make this uh, live stream and uh, my job a little bit easier. So I guess uh, with that, Michael, uh, maybe we should move on to the next topic and uh, yeah, and introduce uh, our other guests. All right. Um just before I do that, I just want to point out to everyone who's watching, uh, if you have questions for our panelists, um, please put them in the chat and we will highlight them, make sure they get addressed. Um, this is interactive and uh, those questions will make it much more lively. Uh, with that said, I'm going to, you've met John. Now uh, let me bring in uh, Jessica. Um, it, Jessica, uh, I don't want to embarrass you. I already warned you I was going to tell this story. Uh, so the reason why I invited Jessica is because over the last few months, I saw her doing something quite remarkable on LinkedIn um, that I found quite an inspiration. So um, Jessica was highlighting some people she had worked with who had been recently laid off in these things that said talent alert and produce a little graphic and had something that highlighted them. And I thought, this is something that we should all be doing for our friends who are looking for work. Um, and man, that was both authentic and eye catching. And then I started to look and say, well, who's Jessica? Um, and your use of LinkedIn, um, both for your job and uh, in general, as, as a, a professional, um, wow, it stood out. Um, and let me bring in TJ. The reason why I invited TJ is very similar. Um, TJ is a professional that many of you who are watching have worked with or met here in Calgary. He gets around. Um, I've met him in a number of different contexts as a cybersecurity pro at lots of events. And TJ's use of LinkedIn is also 
very authentic. And he uses it to connect and he shares things in very interesting ways. Um, I've always read uh, TJ whenever he reads a new book, uh, he puts notes on LinkedIn and I read those notes. And as a librarian, I'm like, why am I not posting my, my notes as well? And that's the nature of this panel. What we wanna do is talk about um, the overlap of two things. The use of social networking, social media, in particular LinkedIn, in a job hunt, but also um, to develop our professional networks. Um, Moro's gonna uh, uh, facilitate this, but the guts of this is how do we maintain our authentic self online, but also uh, get ourselves out there and get noticed? For myself and my recent job hunt, everything changed when I started to really put myself out there. Um, and uh, I'd like everyone to be able to uh, know where to start. So Moro. Yeah, so uh, I guess just shortly uh, before we begin, I know John has introduced himself and gave a bit of background. So I'm going to give that chance to Jessica and TJ. So Jessica, if you'd like, uh, maybe give a slight background to everybody uh, that's watching today, if you'd like. Oh, uh, so I'm Jessica Riad Wallace. I am a HR manager for a Calgary software company. And I guess I've been in the HR slash talent attraction, talent acquisition industry for uh, over 20 years now and or close to 20 years now and I love it yeah I'm, I'm really flattered by everything Michael said about me that was super kind and uh, I'm just happy to be here awesome thank you uh, TJ if you don't mind introducing yourself and just giving a slight background on you sure so uh, my name is TJ I have been working in cybersecurity for just over 13 years started as a developer and then did uh, research and eventually switched to uh, consulting, working in a few different firms. And uh, as Mike said, I actually uh, love reading books. And uh, I started from writing uh, some notes in a blog, but I think that is not well you know, publicized because the you know, platform has some kind of, you don't know who actually will that and there's no connection with uh, my personal brand. So I found that LinkedIn has this similar uh, platform to write notes and publish article. And so that's why uh, Mike was interested in it. Okay, right on, right on. So I guess uh, we'll just dive in and uh, get to it. So I know uh, we've shared some of these questions with you in advance. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, he gave you some time to think about it a bit. So well, uh, I'll ask the question and I'll go to each one of you and just kind of get your perspectives on the uh, on the topic. So what does social uh, media provide? Uh, like what value does it provide when you're when you're looking for a job when you're you know, job hunting? Um, you know, and is it effective? And what tools seem to be the most effective? So uh, with that, I'm going to pass it to TJ first this time. So TJ. <laughs> So I think uh, social media is something relatively new concept because it's roughly 10 years ago when everything started. Before that, I think it's mostly traditionally like job board and posting a resume. And then that become online, like that's why uh, we have a few different competitors um, like collecting resume and posting a job post. Uh, maybe it's just like recent six or seven years when the social media has 
kind of combine with the career development slash uh, job hunting together. And I think it's also a journey that has been um, been developing is maybe in next few years we can see something even different than what's going on right now. So uh, I think the discussion today is really about uh, the different platform and how they uh, may bring uh, benefits or uh, opportunities for the job hunting or job searching process. Uh, as uh, Mike published or mentioned before that, um, I think LinkedIn has been has become uh, like main platform or uh, main product for the interaction between recruiter, uh, the hiring company, as well as the job seeker. And uh, some people even working in the career consulting, they also use LinkedIn as a platform for them to uh, expand uh, their um, client clientele. So um, I think as for today, I think that's probably uh, LinkedIn is the most well uh, adapted and used platform, but uh, going forward after a few years, uh, things may change. Okay, okay, good answer, good answer. So you, you, obviously you're using it today in a uh, in slightly different way than job hunting, but you are saying that yes, uh, you know, for building your network and, you know, building your brand, it's, it's pretty critical, I would say. Would that be safe to kind of summarize what you're, what you're hinting at? Yeah, exactly. So uh, think of like before the social media area is actually very hard to build a personal brand. You need a lot of uh, help from different agencies. Uh, I think social media uh, actually make it much easier for pretty much everybody with the internet connection to uh, build their personal brand and build their public image. Mm -hmm. And I think we got started from the first Obama campaign and then now everybody can try something new to showcase uh, their achievement and their uh, personal interest in a variety of, a variety of the, uh, platforms. But uh, back to career development and uh, say uh, job searching, I think uh, LinkedIn for now is the one that is better integrating all the different functionality essentially to uh, a personal brand. Okay, okay, cool. So uh, moving on with this, uh, John, uh, so same question, uh, what value does the social media provide for uh, a person that's looking for a job? And uh, is it effective? And uh, I guess in your mind, uh, what, what's, what, what tools are the most effective? Yeah, I would say um, just from a recruiting standpoint, LinkedIn is such a powerful platform um, that any kind of IT professional job seekers should be um, keeping relevant. I think that's the most important, uh, the relevance of it, right? So if you're actively looking for a role, um, literally put in your title open to new opportunities and that just kind of opens the floodgates um, you probably will get reached out by a number of recruiters, but at least that way you um, kind of have a bit more uh, of options. You can kind of sift through um, different recruiters or different agencies that you get reached out to and you can kind of decide, you know, who you like working with or who you like having a partnership with um, and who's able to serve you best when they're keeping you up to date. Uh, so I would say the relevance of LinkedIn, keeping your stuff very um, up to date. If you're open to new opportunities, do that. If you just recently got... Um, finished up a role, put the date that you finished it, and then kind of the job description on what you were doing there. Um, and it just kind of makes everything easier for recruiters when they are t targeting um, certain talent pool. Can you uh, address a little bit um, further about, so you're a recruiter, you're using LinkedIn, you're looking at a lot of profiles. Um, 
you probably don't have time to look at all of them in depth when you're looking for candidates until you've narrowed it down. Uh, what about a profile or what about the features of LinkedIn um, do you use most and first? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say there's a couple of key areas that we look for um, that we know our clients are looking for. So we look for kind of consistent engagement. Has someone been somewhere for, you know, longer than six months to a year at one role and then they've moved on and then they've been at another spot for maybe a year to two years. Um, that kind of shows um, a healthy engagement of employment in comparison to maybe some profiles that we see. I mean, the circumstances can be whatever they are, but let's say they've been at one role for two months and then another place for three months and then another place for one month. Um, those are definitely some red flags and there'd probably be some some sifting we need to go through whether uh, it, determining you know whatever the circumstance may be. So I would say engagement, um, well, long-term engagement, and then um, reputable employers. I know a lot of clients that we work with, they want people that have come from great companies because um, normally those have a proven reputation. So if you're um, an IT professional who's maybe been at um, some traditional big oil and gas companies and our clients are looking for, hey, we need someone who's got oil and gas experience right? Um, that's something that can kind of pinpoint our search. So um, those are kind of just things that we look for. Okay. Uh, Jessica, <laughs> leading to you. Uh, so same question. Uh, what value does social media provide, uh, especially for those looking for a job and what tools seem to be the most effective uh, in, in doing so? Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, I have to echo some of the things that TJ and John both said. I think they raised some really value-add points. Uh, one of the things that I've always said was most effective in a job search is your network. And, you know, your network, it, it, who you're connected to, you'll see job postings through LinkedIn, but you're also going to see a lot of tools and resources. So, you know, I, I know that I certainly share a lot of tools and resources from uh, an organization, a group of women who built out job search secret weapon. And they put out free resources for people and free tips. So as a job seeker, you know, it's not just about finding that job, but it's also about, you know, once you find that job, being your best self, whether it's in an interview in person or in these days, these like video conferencing times. So the tips and tricks and the tools that are sh shared on LinkedIn relative to how how one can present their best self across a video, you know, uh, interview is those are those are super important and really valuable. And you know, John, I'm I'm sure you've interviewed a ton of people like this <laughs> these days, and it's not easy, you know. And and so, how do you handle those unique situations and how do you present yourself when you've been laid off or when, you know, you have that gap in employment? So your network can provide those tips and tricks. So that's that's something I think is really value add as well. Okay. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Awesome responses. And yes, no, uh, some great insights uh, into the social media platforms. Uh, I guess with that, we're building off of, uh, I think everyone's in consensus saying that, you know, LinkedIn is a pretty valuable tool. Uh, I'll admit, and I said this in a previous live stream, that uh, I've met many millennials, uh, not necessarily in IT, uh, but just in passing, you know, whether that's uh, friends that are not in the IT world, or, you know, maybe I'm even sitting at a pub and I'm just chatting with, uh, you know, just, just a random person you know, who's sitting next to me. 
And it's very bizarre. I find that millennials, for whatever reason, although they are quite uh, hooked into social uh, social media, but not necessarily LinkedIn to, to find a job. So I'm hoping that, you know, this these insights provide some uh, background for them to, to start exploring LinkedIn. Uh, with that, and uh, building on what John said, he gave one piece of advice for uh, people that are looking for, you know, a job while they're on LinkedIn to, you know, highlight that they're open to, uh, you know, opportunities. So with that in mind, uh, what uh, I'm going to ask this question. So what maybe two, three things uh, should a person do on LinkedIn when they're looking for a job hunt? I'm going to throw this at John because he's already explained one. So maybe uh, if he could kind of elaborate on maybe another thing that he, you know a job seeker might do on LinkedIn to kind of help them as they're looking or uh, starting the job hunt. John. Right. Um, yeah. Putting your title to open new opportunities. I know there's actually a little feature kind of right under your name and your title, and it asks what type of opportunities you're open to. Uh, you're open to hearing about. So um exact like let's say you're you know a senior security resource and you kind of just put a laundry list where it's like open to and then security analysts or security architect or um bingo there you go thanks michael um that little feature right there and that helps um recruiters like myself um pinpoint and there you go there's got job types so temporary full-time contract etc remote which i think is going to be another topic for you guys in the future because i think the workforce is going to slowly be moving to remote after after companies are realizing how productive people can still say um during this time but yeah i would just to answer that moral um exactly what kind of michael's screen sharing is is exactly what you'd want to utilize awesome that's uh, you know, that, that, that's that's great advice. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna flip this to uh, Jessica. So uh, what two or three pieces of advice would you give out uh, to the to the viewers on our live stream uh, when they're looking for a job uh, or starting the process of looking for a job on LinkedIn? Yeah, I think that the you know before you before you start sort of applying for jobs or connecting with people, um, make sure that that you have your LinkedIn profile in order. So to John's point, you know, make sure that you're clear on what you're looking for and have a have a point of view, have a perspective, um, have have a headshot, you know, have a professional headshot, and it doesn't have to be done by a professional photographer these days. Your iPhone has a really great portrait setting, <laughs> and absolutely, absolutely, uh, you can have a friend take a headshot of you, you know, and and use that space like the the above the fold space. Um, use the space where you can have eye-catching images because, you know, I, I look at someone like John and I know he probably scrolls through so many LinkedIn photos or so many LinkedIn profiles. So have something that's going to, you know, catch his eye and, and, and draw him in to your profile too. Um, those are, get your profile in order before you start reaching out to people and, and certainly have that point of view. If you reach out to someone and, and you don't have a point of view, you don't know what you're looking for, you just come across as really confused and, and not very clear. Okay, awesome, awesome stuff. Love it, love it. Uh, TJ, now, now to you. Uh, so what two, three pieces of advice can you give to job seekers out there and what they need to do to prepare uh, their LinkedIn profile for uh, when they're gonna go look for a job? Sure, I think uh, I totally agree with uh, John and Jessica's comments. Actually, if you think of all those uh, important areas in the screen on your LinkedIn profile, it's really the the first screen everybody can see because you have, may have a lot of uh, work experience or education background, but you have to scroll down to really see those. 
that uh, really the like when somebody click your profile profile to see uh, the first perception is the most important part. So that includes your headshot. Apparently, uh, a lot of people choose not to use that, and some people use uh, avatar cartoon uh, style. So that actually give a perception of like why don't you want to share who you you are and how you looks like. And then other than headshot, is actually another place um, is the background uh, on your uh, it's the background uh, of of your headshot. You can upload some uh, professional images, such as uh, Michael is showing his um, LinkedIn profile. You can see is a very interesting diagram showing his work and his engagement in uh, in the. Uh, uh, in the industry, as well as his keywords about um, his uh, background uh, information, maybe his experience about conference cars, lecture, lecture learn, those kind of keywords. So uh, I have seen some people uh, using their company's uh, standard uh, background information, standard image to show their uh, commitment and loyalty to the company they're currently working for. And in the security community, many people also shows uh, some kind of um, Cartoon or diagram showing uh, uh, like they're hacking into certain systems. That shows also the professionalism of this industry. So um, I think that uh, both your headshot and background, the two images will uh, catch people's attention in the first few seconds. I think that's a most important part. And also agree with John that if you are looking for a job, you need to be very clear staying that in the first few lines. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also another. Um, box right below uh, your headline is about. I think that's a section where you can summarize your experience and if you're looking for a job, what kind of job you're looking for. Yeah, Michael is showing his LinkedIn profile. I think it doesn't need to be very long. It should be a condensed version of your whole resume summarizing what you have done and what you want. So I think that's my suggestion. Oh, that's my comment about uh, which are the most important part for a uh, LinkedIn profile. Okay, awesome. Uh, th thank you for uh, thank you for that advice, uh, Michael. I think we have a question from Jared. We do. Thank you for noticing. I was distracted by sharing my screen. Uh, so Jared asks, as an employer, are there any tips in looking for job seekers on LinkedIn or through networking groups? Um, I'll add to that. So um, Jessica and John. Do you guys have LinkedIn premium accounts that you've used when you're uh, on the hiring side? And um, you know, with or without, are there specific ways that you go about looking for um, talent? John, I, I, I defer to you first on this one. You're sort of in that world regularly. Okay, no problem. Um, yeah, we do, I, I do get, uh, um, a LinkedIn premium. It's actually called LinkedIn recruiter. Um, so you get a little bit more insight than um, your typical kind of um, LinkedIn pages. Basically what, what you can add to it is if there's certain technologies you're looking for, if there's certain companies you're wanting to target um, prospective um, consultants from, and then uh, region, job title and then if there's any keywords that you're looking for um and you and as the recruiter i would just kind of plug it all in and then see what populates and then from what populates i'd be able to see kind of who's open to new opportunities who isn't um and then just kind of sift through there 
Yeah, John, John raised something around the open to new opportunities. There is that, there is that option for um, a job seeker to select that they're open for new opportunities. In no way, shape or form does it show up to your employer. So even if you're quietly looking or if you're just kind of open to hearing what's out there, I would certainly recommend flipping that switch and making sure that that's, uh, that's on in your, in your job search. Uh, because back when I used, I don't use LinkedIn Recruiter right now. I have a member of my team who has the account, but back when I did use that, that was really one of the drivers when I, when I would do those searches is see who's actually interested in looking for new opportunities. And those would be the people that I would connect with first. So one of the things, uh, I'd point out about that is, um, that open to new opportunities button and that ability to limit it to just recruiters. I think that's a LinkedIn premium feature so that people who aren't paying for that, I don't think they have that um, ability. Oh, that's a good point. You might be right on that, Michael. So uh, we're going to be publishing this weekend uh, a pre-recorded video that's a tour of LinkedIn premium. Um, uh, I've used it in the past and not gotten results, but more recently started using it differently. So we thought, um, let's give people a tour, including those features and the open to opportunities is actually one of the ones that I said, yeah, this is really worth the fee. Okay. Awesome. So ho hopefully that answered Jared's questions. Uh, you know, if anyone else has any, any more questions, by all means, please, uh, please post it. Again, you know, as Michael mentioned, this is a uh, free-flowing uh, discussion. We uh, we certainly like the interaction. So, uh, with that, uh, I guess we'll uh, kind of jump into our third topic here. So, growing your social network, uh, what uh, what tips, tricks work? Uh, what's taboo and should be avoided by all costs? And what's one thing you absolutely should do to grow it? Uh, since we started with TJ last, I'm going to throw this one at uh, Jessica. Oh, wow. Um, growing your network. Again, it, it starts with having a, a solid profile. You know, if you're reaching out to people, make sure that your profile is on point and, and you have a clear point of view. Um, I also think that, and you know, TJ is a really good example of this, where, um, you know, none of us are Oprah. <laughs> none of us are going to have a brand if we disappear. And, you know, when you look at someone like TJ's activity, TJ has a consistent point of view and he has consistent value add activity on LinkedIn. And he also engages with people. And that's one of those things where, you know, I see a lot of people connect with absolutely everyone and anyone. And then they start to have their followers drop down because they're not adding value and they're not contributing to the conversation. So that's something that, you know, once you make that connection, maintaining it's really important and, and engaging with people. Even, you know, if someone reshares one of your posts, just thank them for it. Or if someone comments on your post, you know, thank them for the comment. Okay. Uh, so then I'll, uh, I'll throw this at, well, I'm going to throw this at John because I, I know TJ, uh, yeah, th this question's kind of really tailored for you. Uh, yeah. so for you, John, I mean, because you're, you're, you're in a slightly different uh, position than the rest. Well, maybe, maybe Jessica kind of overlaps with you a bit, but I know mm -hmm. as a recruiter, uh, you know, growing your network is, it might be slightly different. I'm not sure. So for you, uh, is there any advice out there for uh, growing your, your social network? Yeah, for me, um, I I kind of connect with people if I've 
talked to them in the past, if I've actually met them um, physically, whether if it was coffee or for a lunch. Um, but I would say try to utilize any type of kind of IT meetups um, or if there's any kind of conferences, things like that. That's a really good way to network, um, kind of putting a face to the name, um, getting to introduce yourself, et cetera. And then obviously um, after meeting people, you add them to your LinkedIn network and then you can always kind of re reflect back and, and, and reach out to them if, if you have any questions or concerns or wanting to know what's kind of going on with them, I would say. Um, but as a recruiter, I mean, I, I get added um, by IT professionals all the time on a daily basis. Um, majority of them, I don't know who they are, but um, if I can help, that's kind of my goal and my job. So yeah, that's what I would say. Okay, cool, cool. So just curious though, uh, so are there any like things that are maybe taboo people should avoid when, when they're trying to grow that network? Yeah, maybe like if this is a personal preference, I would say don't add anyone unless you actually personally know them or have met them or got introduced to them. Um, because that can just kind of come off as, I don't know, little. I little uh, I agree. Uh, I, I tend to take that tact. I know that um, there are minor cases where I, I, I wanted to add someone just because I, I needed to, to touch base with them. Even though I hadn't met them, I knew everyone around, around them, but I was just trying to touch base with them. And it, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I hesitate to do that myself. So. I, I'm in almost total agreement. If I haven't met you or if I'm not even working in the same company as you, it's it's really hard for me to, you know, say, oh, I should add you to my network. Now, I know everyone has a different, you know, mentality when it comes to that. I have a different friend who's like, oh, no, I add everybody, add everybody, grow yeah. my network, grow my network, right? So. Um, I'm pretty fearless when it comes to adding people. So, okay. So, Last but not least is, is TJ, because I know he's like really brilliant at, at his network. Uh, I mean, you know, because I, I remember like even the first time I met TJ, he gave me his card and he's like, hey, you know, add me on LinkedIn. We can network, you know, maybe uh, next events, uh, all that stuff. We can, we can you know, uh, uh, you know, chat, and, you know, reach out and all that. So uh, TJ, so for you, uh, well, what's been really successful for you in driving your network and growing that and your, your presence, I guess? Yeah, I think uh, John raised a very important point is um, a social network, especially LinkedIn, doesn't exist in vacuum. It's not something that is artificially intelligence created network of a series of connections of entities. It's actually real people. Mm -hmm. So uh, people have different kind of personal preference and personal, uh, I would say, uh, appetite about uh appetite about like how people should like inter interact with them especially when thinking about uh adding a connection what's the meaning of that connection does it mean like someone will uh like send me a message every few days or is just mean somebody want to collect my uh email and phone number so before social network actually um there was something called rolodex where people just collect business card I think most younger people probably never saw that kind of thing anymore. But um, when LinkedIn first started about 10 years ago, I think that is really considered one electronic way of collecting business card to have people's uh, contact information co co collected. And then uh, you can throw away the business card if you want. Uh, but eventually, I think people understand that it's not only about uh, kind of just building a network just because like they have exchanged business card in a physical event where have interaction. 
I think uh, sometimes in different roles and different environments, as you mentioned uh, morally, you may want to approach somebody just because you have really a proposal or really an interesting discussion you want to have with that person, but you have never met in person before. So I think that actually LinkedIn provided another um, interesting function is when you try to add somebody, you can put a note is indicating why you want to connect that person. I think that actually becomes a new standard because like a few years ago, I have get a lot of invitations just from nowhere and I never met person. And actually, uh, very interestingly, some people actually bragging their number of connections on their uh, profile and say, okay, 5,000 plus, uh, 5 million plus or whatever uh, connections. So actually that's a real alarm in my opinion is they are they're connecting people for connecting sake, which means they are not quite authentic on connecting people uh, through uh, social media, especially LinkedIn. So I think uh, nowadays, people because people uh, virtually locked down and cannot really meet uh, face to face to everybody, and most people except they uh, in their household. So I think actually, if you want to meet people virtually, I think it's actually a good opportunity right now as long as you have a real reason. For example, if you attended uh, one of the millions of webinars about certain topics, I think it became a new trend right now, recently uh, due to COVID-19. Um, if you really love somebody's talk, you can also add that person on LinkedIn and with a note saying, okay, I listened to your talk about this topic, I'm very interested. Maybe we can have an opportunity to chat uh, uh, through the message. And eventually, if uh, after the COVID-19, we can meet in person in different uh, situations. So I think uh, as long as you are authentic, you have a reason, and you really want to understand somebody else, even you haven't met in person, I think that's still fine. But you need to make sure that uh, people will, if you are the recipient of that invitation, how that person will respond or feel like an invitation. If it's just blind invitation from somebody uh, with no reason, I think most people, uh, will probably choose uh, to click no. So I think um, back to the initial uh, question about how to grow a network on social media, especially on LinkedIn, I think you really need to reflect on uh, what's going on in your real life and what's happening. Uh, like, have you been out for networking event? Have you attended different uh, industry conferences? Nowadays it's a virtual conference. And uh, how do you want to uh, keep in touch with the people uh, you met and either in person or virtually? And how do you want to really uh, look into each individual person as a future opportunity? Because it may not be a job opportunity, but it's an opportunity to learn from each other. Like Michael and I met in person in some seminars, but it seems like he's interested more like reading my blog. So that's also <laughs> a, a authentic interest. So yeah, I think that's my answer to the question. All right, thank you. Uh, so I'm going to throw this back at Michael because it looks like we have a question from Christopher. Yeah, so uh, the Christopher's question is, how much personal or non-professional details should you add to your LinkedIn profile, hobbies, volunteer work, and do these really help you stand out in a profile? And I'll just share my screen again because I'm addicted to doing that. Um, uh, so this is my volunteer experience on my LinkedIn profile. And it's um, far, 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 far too much. And I only do it for the sake of satisfying my own ego. There you go. 
Uh, so would anyone in the panel like to uh, uh, offer uh, uh, any advice to Chris? Actually, uh, I have uh, I have opinion on that, uh, Michael. I think it's not only to satisfy your own ego. It's actually an interesting way to document what they have done. Because a lot of us volunteer in different uh, opportunities, different organizations, and not all of them should show up in your resume. I think if people watch your last uh, uh, Friday uh, uh, live. So I think uh, it's actually a good way to document what you have done is just keep a personal record because otherwise you may forget two years later that you actually did a guest lecture in somewhere else. So it's actually that is a really good point. That's a very good point. I forgot about this one. And this was a huge thing. I helped organize this conference and I was only going through my LinkedIn and I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> This is a big one, and I totally forgot it ever happened. Um, it it is kind of self documentation. Um, I think there's a lot of value in adding volunteer um, work as well. If you're looking maybe for a career change, and you've volunteered in that space, but you don't have actual work experience in that space, so all of a sudden you can highlight that, yeah, I've actually done that work. I just haven't been paid for it. So there's a lot of value in that. Um, I, I worked with new Canadians for a while and there was a lot of value in new Canadians adding that to their experience as well, because, you know, oftentimes they may have this like incredible education and experience from, you know, the, the country they came from and they're just starting out in Canada and the best way for them to get experience in, you know, a Canadian environment is to volunteer. So I, I would agree with TJ. I think it's really important to add that in there. And from a hobby standpoint, I mean, your resume is your work history. But the difference between your resume and your LinkedIn profile is you can make your LinkedIn profile a little bit more about you. And, you know, I, I would be cautious about, you know, staying away from super polarizing topics like religion or like, you know, politics. Those can those can be hot topics unless you're prepared to, to address them. But generally speaking, I think that making yourself a human being on LinkedIn makes you, you know, more attractive as a job seeker. Something that um, I've heard quite often is, you know, if you hire this person, are you going to want to sit beside them on an airplane for four hours? And, in, you know, you're not going to get that from a piece of paper. You're going to get that through those personal things. So, you know, throw on those hobbies as long as you keep them reasonable, right? And, and make it a little bit about who you are. So one of the pieces of advice I would offer in that regard would apply to, um, say, new graduates and, and students and... Um, there's, there is a section on here now where you can list projects. Um, and if you're a student, um, listing projects that you've done is a great way to say, look, uh, I didn't just graduate from this program. I didn't just pass. There's something more going on. I'm engaged in particular in cybersecurity. There's a, there's a big challenge in cybersecurity in that too many employers want you to have a lot of experience in other areas of IT first. Mm -hmm. um, those people I've hired know that um, I take a different approach, but you've got to show some initiative and those projects are a great way to say, well, here's what I did. And um, uh, people like Chris 
graduated from state, they all have to do a capstone project, um, showcase it there. Okay, so uh, I guess moving along here and uh, kind of touching on what uh, TJ has already alluded to in, in authenticity. So uh, I think our next question here is um, a little bit twofold as well. But uh, what are some things people can do to prepare prior to putting their brand out? So uh, I'll give an example to that. Uh, I know that I've read articles on maybe uh, sanitizing your Facebook profile, for example, or even you know sanitizing your Twitter uh, profile. Uh, and I think that you know plays along with Instagram as well. Uh, but at the same time, you know, how do you stay authentic in your online presence? And I think what TJ said is, you know, being authentic is pretty important. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that question to John. Um, is, is there anything we should do to, I guess, uh, you know, prepare ourselves when we're putting our brand out there? And, you know, from an authenticity standpoint, uh, is that important? And what, what do we need to do to stay authentic? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, um, you know, first and foremost, We've already kind of covered it, but make sure your LinkedIn profile is nice and polished and ready to go. Um, I have seen instances where hiring managers have actually went and cross-referenced um, a candidate's name into Twitter, into Facebook, and have found stuff that they didn't like or that wouldn't work well in their environment um, and have completely pulled an offer from a candidate or decided not to move forward in interviewing um, a candidate because of that very same reason, which is definitely unfortunate, right? Because that kind of already touches a fine line where LinkedIn is kind of your professional social media account. And then let's say Facebook is a little bit more personal and you might have, you might be sharing point of views where you feel like, Hey, this is my profile, et cetera. But um, it's good to be aware of that because um, in my years of recruiting, I have seen that happen where managers literally cross-reference a, a candidate's name who they think is probably great for a role, but then go and find or dig up some stuff um, that they aren't wanting to bring that person on, which is unfortunate, but it's the reality. Right. And I think, you know, Jessica kind of uh, alluded to that point re really on LinkedIn. You know, you, you want to tend to avoid certain topics that are polarizing, even on your Twitter. So, and uh, I, I, I tend to agree, uh, you know, even with Facebook, uh, you can still lock it down, but you know if your profile pic is something that's pretty um, racy, <laughs> to say the least, uh, you know that, that that could tend to you know get you in some hot water in terms of you know not just job hunting, but you know maybe if you're currently employed and someone spots your uh, your Facebook profile. So, uh, I would, I mean, I personally will never look at a a personal profile, right? So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I, I'll never look at it. It's not my business. Okay. I'll go to LinkedIn. That's my that's my personal sort of line. Um, so that that's my point of view. But you know, to John's point, it's it is true. I have heard that hiring managers do that. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. So you know, when I talk about sort of those polarizing topics, I keep that on you know, like if I have a, a point of view about religion or about politics, I'm not afraid to share that on my my personal profiles. But on LinkedIn, I usually keep it kind of arm's length because that is my profile. It's my professional brand. Yeah, for sure. OK, so uh, OK, so that answers that, that question. But uh, from a standpoint of being authentic now, I know that John said, you know, put, put the headshot. In. I mean, TG has also said it to you as well as yourself, you know, have a headshot. 
Uh, obviously, I'm thinking, you know, use your real name or, you know, not just a nickname or maybe you want to avoid the nickname completely. I'm, I'm not sure. But I guess, uh, Jessica, from your point of view, what are what are some of those things that uh, maybe you see as being more authentic uh, and avoiding the whole, um, I guess, fakeness, if you want to call it that? Yeah, I think you should, you know, use real words, use the language that you would use in a conversation, right? When So when you're posting content, um, sound like yourself use and and i'm i'm pretty unapologetically <laughs> authentic and and you know it's it's one of those things where sometimes i'll use language where people and and it certainly won't be foul language but it'll be language where it's just a bit more casual because that's who i am um and i think that it's it's really important to have that point of view and to know where you're coming from so you can be consistent. I spent years in a very conservative environment trying really hard to be what I thought people wanted me to be. And I'm not a conservative person really. And and what ended up happening was I, you know, I, I found the minute I flipped the switch and, and just became me and, and became comfortable in my own skin and, and talked the way I normally talk. Um it it people became much more eager to connect with me because it seemed real and authentic. So um, don't say what you think people want you to say, you know, just be yourself. So yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, plus or minus for me, negative, positive. But yeah, I, I tend to be pretty transparent. I, I speak my mind even in my job, sometimes to my detriment, but in a lot of cases, <laughs> I find uh, it for my customers anyways. They know where I stand. Uh, I, you know, I will fight tooth and nail for them if they feel like you know they've been wronged or if they have something that they need. And you know, I it's no holds barred. I, I will go to my boss and you know I, I will talk to them. You know, I'll be have my customer in that in that matter. So, and I agree. I find that being authentic uh, tends to, I think it te it tends to lend people to at least you know listen to me or take me a bit more seriously. I think uh, if I was fake, I know that they would be much more standoffish. And I'd have a, a different relationship too. So I, so uh, I agree. There's something I'd, I'd like to add that um, combines authenticity with using LinkedIn for job hunts. One of the things you want to do on LinkedIn is get noticed. And we've talked a lot about um, updating your profile, making sure that's ready to go. But one of the things you want to do to get noticed is make sure that people know that you're looking and to notice you, which means you've got to be actively engaged. LinkedIn isn't just a resume search engine. It is a social network where people post things that are interesting to them. Um, what I really like both about Jessica and TJ is that they do post things that are authentically from their professional experience and reflect what they're interested in. And if you want to get noticed on LinkedIn, you should be engaging with your community. You should be following people you find interesting. You should be commenting on people's posts. But uh, Jessica, I think it was so perfect. Don't try to be someone you're not. Um, inauthentic inauthenticity shows. Mm -hmm. It really, it, it, it shows. And so um, really the trick is to get engaged, but at the level you're comfortable with. And I just asked the audience how many of them thought they were introverts or extroverts. And for myself as a hardcore introvert, um, 
that engagement was really hard, even online. Um, but once you get going, every time you engage on LinkedIn, it's practice for the next engagement. And before you know it, you discover your own authentic professional voice. What I like about LinkedIn is it is my professional voice. And that as an introvert is much more easy for me to approach. Um, TJ, what's your reaction to what I just said? Yeah, I think uh, that's a very solid point because people have a variety of different kind of perspective, views, or uh, personal points so about different topics. And the different uh, social networks actually serve different purposes. Like Facebook maybe uh, with a tighten up uh, privacy and access control, you can share some more personal views on something that's relevant to your work maybe about uh, live region politics, as long as you control who can see that because it's actually interacting with some closer circle friends. But uh, LinkedIn is actually a more broad and uh, audience um, platform for you to share opinions on something related to your work, your career, industry, or uh, some kind of uh, generic uh, discussions about uh, different topics. So I'm scrolling down uh, my uh, seat, oh, of my personal city, I'm looking at a lot of research report about uh, remote working uh, and cybersecurity. A lot of uh, like webinar notifications saying, okay, we are hosting this um, next week, certainly. Everybody's you know, getting webinar fatigue right now. And some people are actually posting their per uh, personal point of view on how the future of work will look like after COVID-19. And some of them are just posting that okay, uh, this is my work environment at home and then I'm enjoying it. So all of them actually you can think of is related to uh, their career, their profession. It's not about uh, personal stuff. Uh, rarely I can see some people post some very personal stuff. I think that's not may not be quite fit uh, for the platform like LinkedIn. Uh, but I think uh, you can always write uh, some articles or write a post about uh, you can also share some links about some news published somewhere else. So anyways, like, this is a good platform for you to share information with the people who uh, is connected to you. And then is about uh, your perspective, your point of view about certain topics, but that is not quite personal. It's really about your thought to the future of work, your thought to the uh, the industry you are in, in, in our industry is about cybersecurity and how that uh, may be changed. And also I saw some vendors post um, uh, different kind of their uh, updates about their new product, their new strategy and their new uh, acquisition sometimes. So um, I think that's also good uh, information source for people to keep updated about what's going on in this industry. So one of the things I'll draw attention to is, you know, earlier we were talking about, okay, so right at the top of your profile, you've got Oh, you're open and you're about, but there's this feature section where you can feature things you've posted. Um, but you know, if you're an introvert, chances are, and you're not actively using LinkedIn yet, you're not going to have things that you're going to showcase here. But you know, one of the first things that shows up is this activity list, which is that authentic engagement. Um, whether you're posting something, if you like something someone else said, or you comment, or you ask a question that's part of your activity. I know myself as a hiring manager in the past, 
when I've gone to look at a candidate's profile, I do look to see if they're engaged. Are they engaged online? And it's not that they're, I penalize them if they're not. It's that I'm very um, interested if they are. And then, uh, Nathan, I know you're watching. Um, for yourself as a hardcore introvert, this is an opportunity for you to express your authentic way of engaging because you're great at asking questions. Every single person who knows you knows about the power of your questions. You don't need to post things. You just need to ask questions on other posts that interest you. Yeah, no, I, I can I can certainly second that. Uh, I find Nathan's uh, very uh, very inquisitive, but uh, very succinct in uh, getting you know getting the answer he needs that way. So, and uh, usually it it does bring out other things, and uh, you know a question kind of leads into a long conversation, and, and you certainly learn from that. So, um, I guess, you know what, honestly, I'd I'd like to ask this question as well. So, uh, playing off of the whole interaction and being authentic, I mean, you know, is, is there really a limit? To, I guess, uh, how much time you spend on LinkedIn? Uh, you know, is there a minimum that we should be spending on LinkedIn? <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask this of TJ because I know that he's uh, he's pretty active on LinkedIn. So, uh, from his standpoint, uh, has it has it been a positive for you, a detriment, or you know, how much is too much? Because we see people that post everything, and then you know, I think you're kind of uh, a little bit in the middle, where you know, you're you're posting a bit, but you you're still controlling controlling what you post, right? Uh, yeah, I think there's uh, there, there's actually no limit for how much time you want to spend on anything because it's really your personal preference and depending on the day and the time of the day. So sometimes I may want to spend more time, sometimes I want to spend less time. But uh, as mentioned earlier, like I also consider Nikin as a way of receiving the uh, information related to this industry. So. Um, and also see the update of different people. Uh, some people publicly announce their job change. They actually uh, posted some uh, description of what their new role is. So it's actually a, another way of engaging their uh, connections on LinkedIn. And I think it doesn't hurt to actually uh, just reach out to them, say congratulations, and then how things are going. So, so it's like people change uh, their career trail sometimes. So it's a um, good point to keep in touch with people you haven't talked to for a while. So I think it really depends on what ha what's happening in the network. And uh, I think actually you can control whether you want to expose your uh, status update. Uh, this is true. Network. Yeah. So yeah, it really depends on how you want to show uh, everything in your career uh, change or anything changed in your profession or not. But uh, I think uh, as long as you are thinking of using LinkedIn as a platform to learn uh, your connections, uh, activities, to it's a way of paying attention and uh, care about other people too, because uh, like we are, we live in a busy world, mm -hmm. and it's very easy to lose track of people. For example, yeah. if uh, I haven't talked to Michael for like maybe three years, <laughs> but like if not for LinkedIn, I, I saw the post of he's trying to um, kind of share his experience on job hunting and then hosting these awesome uh, events every, I think twice a week. So I, I probably will kind of lost track of uh, how's Michael doing. So I think this is actually a good way of uh, reconnecting old friends. And yeah, many, even older people, they say, oh, yearbook, something. I think 
like even in my age, that's already outdated. But future generation probably will never remember those uh, way of keeping your uh, old classmates or friends in touch. And but I think at this moment, LinkedIn provide that platform to really uh, engaging uh, who you know before and who you want to know in the future. Okay. Okay. So uh, Jessica. Um... Somewhat similar question. I, I know you're leveraging, like Michael had alluded to uh, earlier in the beginning. I know you've leveraged LinkedIn in a slightly different way in helping you know people uh, that got laid off uh, f find a new job. Uh, I guess you know uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, how, like, how did how did you kind of go down that path? Like, how how were you able to? Because I'm just kind of curious. You know, what what brought to your mind? Oh, I should use LinkedIn to help my friends this way. And uh, I guess I'm kind of curious how, how, how much traction you see with, with doing those kinds of things. And can, um, I don't want to put you on the stop spot, but I'm going to. Can I show examples of what, yeah, what we're sure. talking about? Okay. Yeah, I so love that. You answer the question and I'm going to dig that up and show it on the screen. All right. Um, so I think the first thing comes from uh, my uh, philosophy when it comes to networking. I believe that one should always network from a position of generosity and not from a position of need or greed. Um, a lot of people will say, oh, I'm going to network. And, and really, they just want to get out there for their own purposes. And those types of folks generally don't get a lot of um, traction or uptick because you know it, it's pretty transparent. If you, if you network from a place of what can I offer, what can I bring to the table, that's that's genuine and authentic and um you know there's a, a very dear friend of mine who's actively looking for work and i actually featured him on one of the talent alerts so mike if you can hear me you might want to pull him up ian bunting um <laughs> he is a shameless plug but he's actually so he's an hr professional and ian has this real passion for um, employee wellness and he worked for a small organization where they didn't have um, employee wellness programs. And so he had to find free resources. So what Ian did was he, you know, he's not working right now, he's actively looking, but in the interest of networking, what he did was he said, hey, listen, I'm happy to share the information I gathered from my research, finding free wellness programs. I know a lot of employees need those programs right now. Um, and, and put that out there on LinkedIn as a networking tool and the same, the same thing goes, oh, there he is, hi, Ian. Uh, the same thing goes for um, for the talent alerts, right? I, you know, I'm, I'm not the smartest gal out there <laughs> um, and I don't have all of these amazing things to offer, but something I know I do have is I have an unbelievably supportive network and some really incredible talent to showcase. And so I just, thought, hey, these are people I've got a lot of time for. Jeff Schatz is someone I worked with for years and you know, a wonderful human being. And I, I know his wife and <laughs> I have absolutely no problem giving my heartfelt endorsement to, to profile his, his, uh, his experience and showcase that. And all of the people that I you know, had the pleasure of showcasing they, they're people I've actually, honest to God, worked with in the past and, and think they're just incredible and 
could be an asset to any organization, John, if you're looking. Um, <laughs> hashtag talent alert for anyone who's looking. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's that's the big thing. You network from a place of generosity and and build from there. And and that's that's kind of that's the, that's my perspective. Mm -hmm. um, what you did, I found so inspiring. Um, people who've watched these live streams already know that, um, I was motivated out of gratitude, um, because I went through a, a, a job hunt that put me in a dark place and things turned around when I got some advice from friends, I took some positive action, uh, and things went better for me. And then I realized, um, I need to help my friends. We all need to, especially right now help our friends many of them who aren't looking will end up looking um one of the reasons why i want us to offer the advice about how to better use linkedin is because you know what um it's better to start getting engaged now than when you need to because it's practice but it actually contributes to all of your friends if you have friends who are out of work but you today aren't on LinkedIn, how can you help them if they post something and you get engaged, you can like their post, you can repost their post, you can draw attention to them. It's all a very authentic activity. It's just engagement is literally what we do on Facebook, but it's so much more powerful in affecting their lives. When I saw your talent alert, um, I immediately went to copy it and then I self-censored and thought, Oh, I can't just copy this person. Yes, copy, what would they think please. of me? Copy. So <laughs> literally I have a graphic um, similar to yours that I've been working on for a friend of mine, I think who's watching Derek and, and Derek is um, looking for work as well. And I, he's one of these people that I think, uh, how can this guy not be employed for a single moment of his life? I've worked with them on so many projects and I thought, oh, uh, copying Jessica, literally the first person that comes to my mind is I'm going to make this thing for him. And so now I feel less, now that I know you, I feel less uh, uncomfortable copying you. And so I'm going to publish a thing uh, about Derek. Oh, um, I want everyone to do it. That's yes. Like, I, I don't own this. Like, this isn't me. This is this is the whole purpose and intent. Like, pay it forward. Help people. Do it. Everybody. So, my, Michael, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna inject something in here. Uh, again, uh, crazy Moro, because uh, you know he he watches a lot of movies and reads a lot of books. Uh, but I'm gonna steal this quote, and it's actually uh, some. It, it's actually it was requoted by someone else. But anyways, here's the quote, and it is uh, it goes something like this. Uh, good artists copy, great artists steal. So, uh, and, uh, and it's actually Picasso. Pica that was Picasso's original line. And if you watch a movie, or actually, no, sorry, it's a PBS documentary. It's called Triumph of the Nerds. Uh, Steve Jobs actually requotes that. And you can really see that, you know, Steve Jobs takes that to heart because you realize, and he freely admits it in the video, that he stole. Uh, the idea for Mac OS, uh, he, he stole a lot of things to, in order to be successful. So, uh, I, you know what, 
it's awesome that Jessica is uh, just willing to share. But the reality is, yeah, if, if you want to be successful, you got to steal an idea, right? <laughs> did you do those in in um, in Photoshop, or did you use them a different program? Uh, what did you use to create those? I, am I allowed to say the name of the program? I think I should be able yeah. to. Yeah. So can Canva. Oh, Canva. It's free. Yeah. Anyone can do it, guys. It's so easy. So you you could literally share the Canva template. I think I think Canva's got a way to publicly share um, Probably, yeah. templates. Because uh, I was just thinking, hard. I was doing mine in Snagit, and I was thinking, is there a way I could make a template and make it available for download so that like literally we can uh, get oh, people yeah. to just. I love it. Yeah. There, there's got to be it. a way to make this so sim simple that everyone can do this for their oh, friends. That like um, is making my heart grow three sizes, just hearing everyone like, oh my God, that'd be amazing if people started doing it. Uh, it, so uh, I'm in the process of writing an article on LinkedIn that um, is about how we can help our friends uh, who are hunting or maybe hunting uh, at, through all of these different interactive mechanisms. And it all starts with uh, start using LinkedIn authentically, start engaging, because when your friends start posting stuff to get noticed, you get to amplify their message. And there's things like... Um, so one of the things that made a big difference to me is I took what I thought felt was like a huge risk for me. And I asked people for recommendations through the recommendation system on LinkedIn. Did it make a difference in getting noticed? No, but you know what it made a difference in is people actually wrote those recommendations and I saw through their words, the things that I valued about myself and began to believe them again. And yeah. so when when I start, when I, when I did this, I was at a point where I was very frustrated and there's a lot of negative thoughts going through my head and I had really lost all confidence and that really impedes you from getting out there and getting noticed and having positive engagements or even reaching out to recruiters. And so as soon as I saw these things echoed back to me and I was like, wow, that's the way I would like to be viewed. And I am viewed that way. And of course I'm viewed that way because these are people I've worked with. Um, they know me, we have a relationship, but it seems so profound. And one of the things I'd like to encourage people is don't wait for your friend to ask for recommendation. Awesome. Go and tell a simple story, say the one or two things you like about them. It makes a huge difference and it'll help them take positive actions to help themselves. You know, Mike, if you don't mind, I just I wanted to add something earlier. You mentioned how, you know, when, when you were in a job search, there were there were periods where you were in a really dark place. I know, you know, I've been laid off and I know when I was laid off, something that really kept me afloat when I was starting to feel a little down were the, you know, the messages I received from other people and the connections and that, you know, the, the things that, you know, my colleagues or former colleagues connected with me on and going back to those talent profiles and why I really would love to see more people doing them is they may not find someone a job, but they certainly can help validate someone and help elevate their state of mind that they're in. And it has made a tremendous difference to a lot of people I know who've been struggling and it creates that, that little community that maybe they don't have quite yet. And that sense of self and, and sense of, worth when 
sometimes you're not feeling it you know and to your point mike it's it's so important to have that so yeah i would encourage anyone to get out there and like you said for sure share some thoughtful things about amazing colleagues that they have that are looking so jared agrees with us and uh um jared's also drawing out the kudos and i know that jared uh i love the way you give kudos to your team and uh you know jared's actually one of the uh nicest guys i've ever met in this community and uh he's very genuine in the way he um gives compliments to people uh that's a real helpful thing um yeah um <laughs> was that the mic drop moment that <laughs> we all have uh we should all express our gratitude to the people we work with um and not wait um I've actually, after receiving these recommendations from people, um, I've, I'm working my way through a list where every week I'm writing a recommendation for someone, even reaching out to people that I, I suddenly thought of them of something we did together six years ago and thought, yeah, that, that was, that was a, that was a game changer and someone's got to say it. I'll put it out there right now. If somebody, if anyone puts out a talent alert, just tag me in it and I'll share it too to my network. I'll put it out there right now. And and that and honestly that that's the power of networking, right? And that that's really the power of social networks because yeah, like uh, TJ had alluded to, back in the day you had to roll a deck and you'd go through all the cards and business cards you collected and you hope that you know that person was still working there and you'd reach out because uh I'll, uh, I'll share that little tidbit about me. Uh, when I first started in IT some 20 some odd years plus ago, uh, you know, when I first landed in Calgary, uh, first thing I did was uh, found a place that, uh, so it was a government program where they, they'd help people hunt for jobs. So this was kind of, you know, this predates LinkedIn. This predates almost, almost most things. I think at the time Workopolis and monster.com were the big tools. But, you know, uh, nothing beat, you know, like picking up the phone book. And I called every IT company in Calgary <laughs> by phone. And, you know, I it was probably like uh, 80 calls a day kind of thing for a week that I did. And I maybe got like three or four hits. This is like com coming off of or coming into like the dot-com bubbling, bubble bursting. And, uh, yeah, no, it was... Uh, yeah, LinkedIn just makes things so much easier these days. It's, you know, and, and it just it just shocks me that people don't take advantage of it. So, so as a companion piece to this live stream, I wrote an article uh, to put on LinkedIn. I'll paste the link into the chat window so people who watch this recorded later can find it. And uh, these were things that I f I feel I should have known but were lessons I learned in my job hunt about if you're hunting for a job, there's three things you need to do first. And um, you know what they are? Literally what we were just talking about. So the first thing is go out and publicly announce that you're looking for work. Your friends can't help you. Your network cannot rally to your assistance unless they know you're looking. And that was a mistake I made. And when I did, Oh my God, it made a huge difference to me. And the next thing is, um, before you update your resume, before you update your profile, use LinkedIn 
uh, or whatever other platform and reconnect with your friends. We all get busy at work. Uh, there are people we don't talk to. Now that you're on a job hunt, go and just get together with some of your friends. And it's not for finding a job. It's for gaining this kind of support that you're going to need. Just reconnect. Nothing more than that. And then the last thing is similar to number two, and that's use LinkedIn and find two or three colleagues that you should reconnect with. So not personal friends, but people that you've worked with, that you liked, and ask for their advice. And it's that simple. If you're an introvert, you can do that. It's not a big deal. And you're going to find that the results is actually really valuable. Then you can worry about updating your resume. Then you can worry about getting your profile in place. Then you can worry about getting out there and looking for jobs. But now you have the foundations. People know you're looking. You've reconnected with people. You've got some support. And you've got some people that you respect who can provide you with feedback. Uh, honestly, all the other stuff in my job search didn't matter. Um, it was that that made the hugest difference. So do those three things first. Okay, so uh, I, I think we're going to be close to wrapping this up. But, uh, you know, before we, we start to wrap it up, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody uh, on the panel here for uh, taking the time out of their, their schedules to join us on this live stream. But I think I also want to give everyone, you know, a minute or two to just either if they want to plug, uh, you know, if they want to plug the company they work for or, you know, uh, if you want to plug uh, in any way uh, for other people to reach out to you, more than welcome to. So, uh, you know, I just want to give uh, John maybe a minute or two to you. Um, any last words you'd like to say or? Um... Yeah. Um, first and foremost, Moro, Michael, thank you so much for having me on. Let me. Uh kind of speak and collaborate with you guys it was awesome um and again for for people that might have tuned in a little bit later from uh from the start again my name is john um on linkedin you can find me john tewalde um technical recruiter with tech systems in our calgary office um it's a north american based company we've got uh, close to 110 offices in the u.s and seven across canada um in all the major cities so there's one in vancouver one in edmonton one in calgary Ottawa, Toronto, Mississauga, and Montreal, just in case if there's Canada-wide um, viewers. Um, but yeah, that's kind of everything for me. Awesome, thanks. And uh, Jessica, any oh, last words? Just thank you. I'm I'm so happy you guys invited me to be part of this. It was so great meeting you guys. And Mike, I know we work together at the AER, but I don't remember working closely with you. John and TJ, it was great to connect with you. TJ, great to reconnect with you. Mauro, so great to meet you. Thank you so much. No, thank you. So, uh, and then TJ, uh, any last words or anything you want to say hi to or anyone you uh, want to say hi to? <laughs> I, I think I just want to really reiterate what Jessica mentioned earlier that the most important part of networking is really think of what you can bring to the table, how you can help others other than how you can get uh, from, from others. So I think we live in a, a very entrepreneurial and very uh, friendly city called Calgary. I think that's one of the city's spirit is really to help each other. I think uh, we should keep this tradition forward and then really um, using different network opportunities, including uh, using different social platforms to try to find someone like 
who may need your help and really to uh, level other people's up. And I'm pretty sure you will get uh, even better return for yourself than just ask for people, other people's help. Totally agree. Totally agree. Give back when you can, right? So um, I guess uh, the only thing I want, well, a couple of things I'm going to say in parting. So uh, again, if you haven't subscribed, please help us subscribe to this channel. If you love the content, we certainly love to, uh, you know, make sure that we can give Michael the uh, custom uh, URL tag uh, for his channel and, uh, you know, hit the like button. If you love this video, please help others find this video. Uh, if it helped uh, you in any way, hopefully it can help others. Uh, and I think the one last thing, I'm going to leave it to Michael to kind of just uh, touch on it a little bit. He talked about the fact that he built a video for LinkedIn Premium. Just wanted to like pass that along to him. Yeah, so originally we were going to have a last segment here. But uh, if you watch the last two, we tend to go over time. Uh, we thought we'd keep this one short. Um, so uh, rather than giving a live tour of LinkedIn Premium, I have recorded that. I'm in the process of editing. Should be out before Monday. I'll post that on LinkedIn and in the comments to this video. And it's really my own personal tour asking the question, is LinkedIn Premium worth it for a job hunter? And in the past, my opinion was no. And on this recent hunt, I changed the way I used it and it was worth it. So I'd like to give you a tour and show you what it really made a difference for me and what didn't. Um, yeah. Uh, so everyone, thank you for watching. For our regular Friday night house party crew, we will be jumping over to house party. Um, for everyone else, thank you so much for watching this. Uh, to our guests, um, don't exit out of here right away. We're going to end the live stream, and then we'll, uh, we'll thank you personally. So here is the outro music. Bye, everyone.